Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monorail Radio episode number 86. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. Back once again this week talking about a movie that I have used the phrase worn out the VHS a couple of times on the show. And I can safely say that it's a phrase I will use again today when discussing 1973's Robin Hood. Was this a VHS that you wore out? We didn't even have the VHS. Really? I think we may have rented it like once. I, I remember seeing it as a child, but probably when we watched it, you know, preparing for this episode, that might have been like my, my third time seeing it. Okay. Interesting. So I'm, I'm very much going to be interested to hear your take on this because I think it's safe to say that movies, they don't all age well. Right, and and we've talked about movies on this show that haven't aged well. Pete's Dragon does not age well. You defended the hell out of it. Blank Check does not age well. I defended the hell out of it. So I wonder if this is a movie where it uh, there's a chance I may defend it because this was a huge part of my childhood. You may be a little bit more critical of it. I'm at least going to be more objective because it's not something I grew up on. Fair enough. I, I think I'll be fairly objective, but I'm going to save any more of my opinion until we actually start dissecting this film. Well, part of the reason that we chose it, too, was because last week we were talking about bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. And I'm sitting there saying that when they go to Nabumbu or whatever, it reminded me of Prince John, which just right. shows you how out of touch I am with this movie, because now I'm watching. And I was like, what was I talking about? It was an animal who is a king, I guess is the <laughs> biggest. Had a robe. <laughs> yeah, probably the biggest connection you could draw to it. And then, of course, it gets announced that it's getting a live action remake straight to DV or straight to a Disney Plus. Um, does it need that remake? We're going to discuss that as well as many other things in just a little bit here. But first, I want to give you guys the plot here and start breaking this movie down. It starts with the rooster, Alan Adale. He's a minstrel who also serves as our narrator. He introduces us to Robin Hood and Little John, who are being chased by the Sheriff of Nottingham, as well as his men, although they do escape and they contemplate whether they are good guys or bad guys. Prince John and his, uh, I don't want to say his servant, or his assistant, it's his second-in-command, Hiss, who is a snake, are out collecting taxes in the absence of King Richard, who was hypnotized by Hiss and sent on a crusade by Prince John. Robin Hood and Little John dress as female fortune tellers, and while they distract Prince John and his men, they slowly steal back the tax money to give back to the poor, while the citizens of Nottingham starve and suffer through taxation, the sheriff, uh, he walks the town continuing to collect taxes from everyone, including taking money from a child, which he had just received as a birthday gift. Robin Hood sneaks past the sheriff dressed as a beggar and surprises the boy with the gift of a bow and arrow as well as the hat off of his head. That child 
uh, is a rabbit named Skippy. Well, Skippy and his siblings and their friend Toby set off to try the bow and arrow, but Skippy accidentally shoots the arrow over the palace wall. When they sneak through the gate to retrieve it, we meet Lady Cluck and the kind-hearted Maid Marian, who is not only Robin's old flame, but is also Prince John's cousin. Clucky and Marion play with the kids and are not afraid of picking fun at Prince John. Later on, Friar Tuck tells Robin Hood and Little John that Prince John is holding an archery tournament with the winner receiving a kiss from Maid Marion. Prince John and Hiss, meanwhile, are discussing how this is really all just an elaborate plan to lure Robin Hood out of hiding and they want to arrest him in public. Robin and Little John arrive to the tournament in disguise, and ultimately, the tournament comes down to Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. Only one of them, of course, will take the prize. While initially rigged to favor the Sheriff, Robin Hood comes out victorious, but is exposed for who he really is. Robin is captured and sentenced to immediate death, but Little John holds a dagger to the back of uh, uh, of Prince John and persuades him to have Robin released. Once uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham sees what's happening, he interferes with this plot and he interferes with Little John and the Prince once again instructs his men to kill Robin Hood. After a major, uh, major brawl, Robin Hood and Maid Marian escape to Sherwood Forest. The townspeople retreat there as well to celebrate their victory as well as to further make fun of who they have deemed the phony King of England. Prince John decides to triple the taxes in Nottingham as punishment for their behavior and jails all of those who couldn't pay, including Friar Tuck, who fights back against having money taken from the poor box by the Sheriff of Nottingham. Prince John sentences Tuck to death by hanging as a means of, again, luring Robin Hood out of hiding. Through an elaborate plan, Robin and Little John capture the Sheriff and break the townsfolk out of jail while also stealing back all the tax money again that Prince John had taken. Everyone except Robin Hood escapes the palace to Sherwood Forest, Robin Hood is trapped behind. He continues to be pursued by the sheriff and his men, who inadvertently set fire to the castle, but Robin Hood lives through their attack and escapes to Sherwood Forest. King Richard returns uh, from his uh, voyage, from his crusade that he's on, now that the hypnosis has worn off. He pardons Robin Hood for his crimes and has Prince John Hiss and the sheriff locked up. Robin Hood and Maid Marian get married and ride off with Little John and Skippy. That's how the movie ends. Um, okay, so that's a very stripped-down version of the film. It's my understanding, and admittedly, I have not sat down to read Robin Hood, um, you know, the original story. Same. But my understanding is that this is a very uh, typical Disney stripped down and cleaned up version of the film. It, it does have a happy ending. That's not to say the original doesn't, but I 
think that they sort of clean up the original version of the story and they add a little bit of that Disney magic to it. Sure. They start, I mean, they do establish that it's an adaptation because they start on the book yep. on red velvet, not blue this time, which was an interesting choice. Yep. Um, and I'm wondering if that had to do with, um, well, no, because Jungle Book, Jungle Book was blue velvet, but Walt was still alive. This he that was, was not. The, I, so it was that, his last film. He didn't see its completion, but, but he it was still the worked, last on one it. He worked on it. But right. I'm wondering if they changed it up because be. because Walt had passed. Um, but anyway, you know the biggest change that we see right out of the gate is it's supposed to be Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Yes, this is Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Yeah, the one little little John. John. That's it. That's all we get. So originally. Um, this had been, and, and we've said it a number of times on the show, this was a story that Walt Disney had tried to develop right after Snow White. Like so many other films that eventually got made, this was one that uh, he wanted to make, as well as an adaptation of, I believe the name was Raynard the Fox. There was a character in in literature, but he didn't think that the fox. He was trying to make the character, and again, I don't know much about the character, but he uh, it was Walt's intention was to make a story where the fox could be a hero, and he was sort of finding difficulty doing that. I don't know if this is a mischievous character or what the deal is. It's just that it's a character he wanted to adapt and was having problems with. That's interesting because I would have thought they made Robin Hood a fox because, because you know, sly, sly fox. Yeah, yeah. you would think mm -hmm. because Disney is very tongue-in-cheek like that. No, not at all. Is not how they had set out to originally make this film. And we'll talk about an adaptation that they had worked on in just a little while here. But, yes, it is, it is a, a film that takes place in the animal kingdom. Um, and I want to talk about one of the first scenes of the movie. There is, when you get the introduction, first off, Aaron Adale, uh, Alan Adale as the uh, narrator, I like his introduction right away. I like that we get him as a narrator. I like that you have him as a minstrel. Um, because for all intents and purposes, Robin Hood is not a musical. Right. So and I, I, I kind of like how they worked it into being a musical. Yeah, because you didn't necessarily need it, but I like that they had the narrator slash minstrel carrying the music all the way through. Um, and it was interesting, too, how it brought it in from the credits. The credit scene is actually really long. Yes, and it is. they did something that we've never seen in a Disney movie when they introduced... Each character stated what animal they are and then as whatever role they played. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering why they did that. Because, you know, for those who... Robin Hood has been told a million times. You didn't necessarily have to establish every single one. I could see, you know, if there was a version of this where, like, like Mickey's Prince and the Pauper. yes. For right. instance, or for Mickey's Christmas Carol, where they were crediting because those are, you know, your core characters and they sort of 
it's it's almost like the Muppets as well. Yes. How they recycle them and you're seeing Miss Piggy as, Kermit as. Right. So I could see it, you know, in that instance, if they were using Mickey and the characters that we're familiar with, and it's like, all right, they're going to play this role and they're doing that to establish it for the kids. But I really couldn't figure out why this time around we needed to state it's a fox and he is playing Robin Hood and is voiced by this person. A lot of, I mean, this movie is very contemporary for its time, 1973. I think the characters, the script, the music, it's all very different from what we had scene and uh, like I don't know if I mean I, I have to, I don't know if Walt Disney would have loved this movie and that's not to spoil my opinion of it but I know he was not in love with a lot of the animation specifically the backgrounds in 101 Dalmatians because it was contemporary and it was abstract. Mm -hmm. This is not quite as abstract. It's a little bit more traditional, but it did fall into the same sort of category in terms of being very different from a lot of the classic Disney fairy tales that you had seen in, in Walt's time. And I I wonder if he would have approved of this movie or not. Well, I think a lot of that may have to do with the budgetary constraints. And we're going to talk about that a lot because there is so much that was changed because of the budget. They made this film for $15 million, which sounds like a lot now, especially when you consider this was made in 1973. Um, But... When you consider the amount of work that needs to be done and the amount of personnel that's on a film, it's not that much. No, $15 million dries up very quickly. But you have Alan Adale, um, voiced by Richard Miller, who was a country music singer um, at the time. Or, or Roger Miller, I'm sorry. Uh, Roger Miller voiced him. People knew who he was. He had sung King of the Road. He had had a couple of hits on the radio, so he's a recognizable voice. Serving as the narrator, you meet Robin Hood and Little John, which in the original book, they're introduced to each other as they're fighting over who gets to cross a log in Sherwood Forest. And in this introduction, they're already together. They come across the log, and one decides he's going to let the other one go. No, 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 you go. Go ahead. And they bump into each other and fall in, so it's sort of a spoof of that. Um... From the jump, though, that scene into the scene where they're fortune tellers, I actually like this change. Again, not that I have an opinion of the original book, of course, but I like that they did make this change and we didn't need to see them together because you always know, as somebody that has never read the book, you know Robin Hood and Little John are like Batman and Robin. So I worked it in again. (laughs) Right. No, it almost sets it up like it's a buddy movie. And what I love here um, is that when they fall in, they're just kind of floating and immediately they're attacked by the king's guards. So or uh, the prince's guards, I should say. Right. Because the king is the king is off being hypnotized. Um, But 
I mean, aside from the parallels to Bare Necessities, because Little John yep. looks just like Baloo, and then they're floating in the water. And he is voiced by Phil Harris, the same voice actor. Yeah, it's it's kind of deja vu in this scene, but I like that it establishes that they're kind of in this no worries, laid back lifestyle, but immediately they have a conflict that they have to escape from. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene where they are the fortune tellers. I think that it's a funny scene. I thought it was a funny scene as a child. I still think it's a funny scene as an adult. Um, There's a lot of kind of subtle comedy there um, that you don't pick up on right away. Like, I forget that little John, he's a bear. He is much larger than Robin Hood. A little curvy. He's very, for what he is, he's curvy. <laughs> they really play up on that when he dresses as, as the fortune teller. And there's a, a moment where he no longer wants to rob the tax money from Prince John because he said we're robbing from royalty. And when Robin Hood goes to stop him, let's just say he puts both of his spread out hands on on the chest of little john who has stuffed his shirt to make himself look female you don't really pick up on that as a kid but i got a good chuckle out of it as an adult i always laugh too because he's like oh this is our chance to perform for royalty so yeah. like you're also setting up that they've done this a million times before they really season their act and and now they're ready to really go for the big guns by going after prince john yep. um yeah i love that whole scene and what i really like about the movie throughout is we've talked about it before when sometimes the characters are in disi- in disguise so to speak Disney doesn't mask the character because you still have to, for the children in the audience, make sure that they still know who's who. And what I like is that as obvious as it is that it's still Robin Hood and Little John, these are like full-blown disguises. It's very yeah. clever. It's very well done. They even did I, I the, the blue makeup on Robin Hood. I think that's hysterical. And how they how they rob Prince John, stealing the rings off of his fingers, pulling the jewels off of the rings as on they're his kissing fingers. his hand. Uh, it's, Very clever. I, yeah, the fireflies. Um, oh, and the crystal ball. That's amazing. Everything about it is great, and I the body language, the way that it's animated when. <laughs> When little John, who's really a good sport about the whole thing, is being catcalled by the rhinos yes. um, that serve as bodyguards to Prince John. I don't know that you'd hear a cat call in a Disney film anymore, but it is hilarious. And he totally is a ham and just plays into it perfectly. That's hysterical. But those are the worst bodyguards in history because they're standing in a... They have the a chest of gold mounted on their shoulders there's four of them one on each corner and somehow little john who is not little that's the irony with the whole character too sneaks underneath them drills a hole and gets the coins out yeah he uses his dagger and he and he cuts a hole in the bottom of it but they're awful i mean i know i know that's the joke that prince john is not fit for this role um which i want to talk about him a little bit too in the scene yes so do i um I think it was a really smart choice, especially because of all the parallels that we already have to Jungle Book, um, to give him 
the petulant child attitude instead of making him super evil because I think then it's too much of a link to Shere Khan Mm -hmm. who is very much evil but has the one weakness yeah so in this case I think it was really smart not to make him you know a mean prince um in the sense of how he's acting and I love how the worst thing he wants to do is count his money which in the context of the bigger picture it is horrible because of what it's doing to the people of Nottingham. Right. But as far as villains go, he's a total wimp. He is. And I'm I'm happy that you brought that up because first off, the dynamic between Hiss and Prince John, it's great because you have, you called it a buddy film between Robin and Little John. And now you have Prince John and Hiss and it's like you have this separate buddy movie going on Mm. in spite of the fact that Hiss is very intelligent. Prince John does not listen to him. Basically just recycles Hiss's ideas as if they were his own. He doesn't heed any of the warnings, but they work as a duo. And as a duo, they juxtapose so well against good guys and bad guys. But yes, he is not inherently evil he's not Shere Khan he's not Maleficent he is such a different villain than we have seen up to up to at least this point in 1973 and that's even without screaming for mommy and sucking Sucking his his thumb thumb. oh my god it's they establish it too what I love is that the crown doesn't fit yes and As I'm saying it, it's very much on the nose, but it's such a good metaphor for he is not the right man for the job. Yeah, Frank Thomas animated him and and did a a brilliant job. Ted Thomas talks about some of the influence he had on some of Prince John's mannerisms as a child, but you guys can go back and listen to our interview with Ted Thomas. It was a bonus episode after we reviewed Frank and Ollie. You can go back and listen to that. He'll, He'll talk all about it. Um... Everything about that scene is great. And what I love about this movie is the roller coaster ride that this movie is. The ebb and flow of this movie. Mm -hmm. Because you go from this hilarious scene um, with Robin Hood and Little John stealing the tax money back to Skippy's birthday. Which is so heart-wrenching. I mean, you do see Otto, who is a blacksmith with a broken leg, try to hide money that Friar Tuck had given him, which had been given to Friar Tuck by Robin Hood. Um, It's sort of that chain of the the stolen tax money. He tries to hide it in his cast. And the Sheriff of Nottingham is coming around collecting taxes. He can hear the money jingling. And he he goes to raise Otto's foot as if he's going to help him because the foot's broken in a cast. And he just tips it farther back to the point where he just spills all the money out. And he's smacking the bottom of the foot to get the last little coin. And then you go into this scene, Skippy's birthday party, and his his mother and his siblings have saved as much money as they can. And the sheriff takes it. He takes the little rabbit. I, I was going to say little boy, but, but he is. He is supposed to be. He a takes boy. the little boy's birthday present away. One coin. It's awful. It breaks your heart. Both of those scenes break my heart. Um, But I love the juxtaposition of how 
jolly the sheriff comes across because mm-hmm. he's walking through the town. He's whistling. He's, you know, he enjoys his job, clearly. Very self-righteous. Right. And he doesn't seem like a mean character, but that's all exposed through his actions. So you're really not expecting to do these horrible things. But I think he's a really great character because the way that they pulled this off he's doing the dirty work for Prince John. Right. And he really comes across as the mean villain. And, you know, the the upper hierarchy doesn't have to, they don't have to get blood on their hands. He's a lackey. Yeah. That's what he is. And he's so jovial about the whole right. thing. Which, exactly. which is what makes him even slimier. Yep. Because he technically is doing what he is supposed to do. He is doing his job. And he doesn't care how it affects everybody else so long as he's fine. Right. And that entire... that's It's probably... It, 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 no, it's not probably. It is the most heart-wrenching scene in the movie. Because a lot of the scenes that come after this, when they capture Robin Hood, they try to kill Robin Hood, they chase Robin Hood... Some of them are suspenseful. A lot of them are just kind of silly. This is the hardest scene in the movie to watch. It's a toss-up between that and when they're actually in jail because they couldn't pay their taxes. And That's tough, too. A lot the of not- them... The Nottingham scene? Yeah. yeah. Um, especially because, you know, you hit on it before that, you know, Otto's got the leg injury. There's the elderly owl couple. Like a lot of them are already sick to begin with. Like Disney really kind of goes dark with all of the ailments that they show. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, kind of. Um, it feels very light in comparison to other films that they've done because it is the animals. And th- this film I feel like is very cartoony at times, mm-hmm. but with what, they do achieve through all of the visuals. Like you really do get the impression that these people are starving and sick and it's sad. Yes. I I, I will agree with you there. Um, and some of the decisions that they made, some of the things that they cut out of the original concept of the movie, like for example, and, I, and I'm glad they cut this out. It wouldn't have made any sense. There was a storyline where they would go around and show these people pictures of food to make them feel better, but not not in a sarcastic sort of way. Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham are not doing it. These are the townspeople showing each other pictures of food to somehow make themselves feel better. I don't understand what the thought process was behind that. It would not have worked, and I'm glad they cut it out. No, that's like they always say don't go food shopping when you're hungry. Right. Because then you just buy more. I, I can't even imagine when you don't have access to food and you're showing them food. It's terrible. But in the concept art, they had made Marion and Clucky doing that. So I right. think I think you're right. It wasn't supposed to come from a place of sarcasm. It wasn't supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. They, they were really coming from a genuine place of trying to help them. Yeah. Let's talk about when we get our introduction to Clucky and um, Maid Marian. So Skippy and his siblings, they set off and he's pretending to be Robin Hood because Robin, he's got wanted posters all over Nottingham. People know him. He's a folk hero because of what he does to steal from the rich to give to the poor. Um, And he's a hero. The kids want to be him. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of throwaway lines of he's so handsome based on what we've seen in his posters and et cetera and so forth. Um, 
Skippy shoots the arrow and his sister's telling him you're aiming too high and he's Skippy is one of these kids that knows better than everybody else and he is aiming too high shoots the arrow over the palace walls they slip through a gate and that's where you meet Maid Marian and Clucky who are playing badminton everything about this scene I really like I like that you get Clucky who's very much a firecracker. Mm. She's very opinionated. She's bombastic. She's loud. She's in your face. She's that relative that comes out at every family function that just makes a bunch of noise and gets everybody laughing. Um, she reminds me of Nanny in 101 Dalmatians. Like when Horace and Jasper break in and she's like just a little yes. spitfire. Yeah. Not even concerned with her own safety. She's just going to say what she says. I love that you get a quick throwaway line that Maid Marian has a history with Robin Hood. She's not over him. I love that they play with the children. You see that in spite of the fact that they are on the prominent side of the palace wall, in spite of the fact that she is uh, Prince John's cousin, that they could not be any more opposite. I love that you flesh them out. Again, it's another duo, another strong duo in the movie, but you flesh out who they are as characters. They're making fun of Prince John. They want to play with the children. They're kind-hearted, especially Maid Marian. The way that they pace that entire scene, I think is done very, very well in setting up, again, further developing these characters who are going to play a major role in this film. What I love about this whole scene too is that it establishes how much of a joke Prince John is because yes. when the arrow goes over the wall, he's not even home. He's out collecting the taxes or counting his money or whatever. So it's not even like a blip on the kid's radar how mad he's going to be because that's not what he would be mad over. All he cares about is the money. He's not going to care that narrow went over and they, they just go on the grounds even though they were invited um, well, they were invited after they already snuck on. So basically, you snuck on, but now you can't get in trouble for it. Well, Skippy snuck on, and then they invite the rest of them in to play. Sure. But, you know, I just think it was interesting. Like, they're not even concerned with being caught by him at all. Right. The next scene you have is Robin Hood, and he's daydreaming, and he burns the meal that he's making for him and Little John and made Marion comes up again and he basically said we have a history it's been too long i can't just marry the girl blah 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 and then you get friar tuck who tells them okay we have this archery contest and robin hood immediately is like we're going in disguise we're doing it let's go um it's a fun scene but again what this movie does very well quick dialogue they don't drag anything out and i don't think that that has to do with budgetary restrictions leaving a lot on the cutting room floor mm. i just think when they wrote the film they paced it very well and they knew how to get through things to build to the next big thing that's about to happen i would definitely agree with that it's a well-written script and you can kind of tell when something is choppy and there's a disconnect because they're just trying to push it through under a budgetary constraint. Right. I mean, we talked last week about bed knobs and broomsticks, which did not suffer from budgetary constraints. But we said our biggest issue with the film is the pacing and that things drag out way too long. They don't do any of that here. And I mean, when... it's different live action versus animation because they're 
they're drawing this for the final product. They're not doing it looking at you, Jeffrey Katzenberg. They're not making it to edit. I understand that. But they do a good job of getting through what a child would consider, and even an adult to a lesser extent, but what a child would consider a waste of time. We don't need to see two minutes of Robin Hood telling us backstory about him and, and Maid Marian as, as kids, as he said. We were kids together. Mm-hmm. You, you don't that's need, all I needed. That's all you needed. You don't need two minutes of that and two minutes of him pining and, and running through his glory days with her. You didn't need a montage. They just got right through it with a quick line. Moving into the scene where they are at the archery contest, uh, the tournament, of course, the whole thing, as I mentioned before, is a setup to get Robin Hood. His, again, his disguise is great when he comes as the stork. You know it's him because, A, they've said they're going in disguise. B, you saw him put the disguise on, but other than the eyes, which is the exact thing that made Marion sees, you know, that leads her to realize that that is actually Robin Hood in disguise— the costume, for all intents and purposes, that they put on him is spectacular. Yeah, it's really clever, especially because you're also... T- it's not just clever in the sense of being drawn well, but it's, you know, they're in the forest. They're utilizing what they have. He's on stilts. Um, you know, he's got feathers. It, it looks great. I love this whole scene. Yes. There's so many clever things that they do with the animation. So much of a back and forth... Um, it's like the classic snatch and grab. That's what I had, yep. Um, and I love how everything just sort of dissolves into chaos at the end. It almost reminds me of Looney Tunes because I feel like they did that a lot, how they would establish something, they would establish a scene as one thing and then it would mirror something else. In this case, it's the archery contest and then by the end of it, it's like a football game. Right, and they have... Um, they have... Uh the Wisconsin fight song playing yeah. as Clucky is uh, basically running over uh, the bodyguards, the rhinos that uh, Prince John has set off. What I like here too is in an attempt to blend in as a commoner, part of the costume that they give Robin Hood here is extended to his bow and arrow. Right. It's not his bow and arrow. It's something that, is very crudely made out of sticks and stems. Even the arrows themselves are two sticks that are tied together in the middle. They're not what he would typically use. So they really go above and beyond. And the attention to detail that they gave, even on a minor level like that, is impressive to me. Now, you you know, you can take issue with some of the other things that they do in terms of the animation, which we will discuss in a little while here. But the fact that they were able to at least accomplish that, I think is an achievement for the animators. Definitely. What I also like about this scene too, is we've got a big character moment for little John Yes. because in the beginning, he poses the question to Robin hood. Are we the good guys or the bad guys? Um, which, you know, makes perfect sense because they're, they're stealing, which is a bad thing, yeah. but they're doing it for the right reasons. And you know, you can be both sometimes. Um, But here, it kind of draws a little bit more of a line because once they realize it's Robin Hood and once they capture him, 
little John, who has been in disguise as like this. He's like a duke, duke or yeah. something. Yeah, from like a visiting neighborhood or something. And he's been distracting Prince John this whole time. He goes behind Prince John's setup. You know, he's got his throne and there's the the, the tent. And, yeah. yeah, so he goes through the drapes and he's holding a sword to his back. I think this scene is so brilliant and like super dark. It reminds me of a gangster flick or something. Yeah. The way that he's holding him up and he keeps digging the sword in every time Prince John tries to carry out an order and then, you know, he rescinds it and he's like, all right, just let Robin Hood go. Um, but I think it's great. I think it's a great sight gag. Um, and I love Hiss. Um, yes. Hiss is great in this scene. I love the sight gag with the him being in the balloon, even though this is like, you know, it defies the laws of physics. I think it's hysterical that he's, you know, spying on everyone by disguising himself in a balloon and using his tail as a He's propeller. Got the aerial view of everything. Yeah. And then he ends up in in a bucket of beer. Yes. And barrel of beer. Drunk hiss calling Prince John PJ yeah. <laughs> is hilarious. I'm dying to know, and I couldn't find it anywhere, if that was a Phil Harris thing, if he decided to ad-lib the, the calling Prince John the PJ yeah, line. Phil Harris plays Little John a lot much like, like Baloo, Baloo. Yeah. but it does work so well for this film especially yeah it doesn't feel like feel like a ripoff particularly at this part because he's so laid back and he's like hey pj when you know kind of like ribbing him a little bit when they're having a conversation and he calls he, he he calls his kid it sounds like he's talking to Mowgli everything about the way he plays that is really really good and Again, here comes that roller coaster again because you have that thrilling chase with Robin Hood. He gets away with Maid Marian. They have this wonderful moment with the fireflies. It's so beautifully animated, and we're going to talk about the music. Again, we'll talk about the music in just a few minutes, so just hang with us here. But this, it is, it's romantic. It's a very romantic scene which is now crashed by everybody and they launch into this song and dance where they're making fun of Prince John. But it's not done in such a way where you feel like you've been splashed with cold water. It doesn't feel like it necessarily comes out of nowhere either. No, I mean, everybody's celebrating. It's Off just kind of like, Forest yeah, you, you kind of wish that the couple has their moment because as far as Disney couples go, I love Robin Hood and Maid, Maid Marian. I mean, granted, the original story, they're not technically a Disney couple, but I just love the way that they built this relationship. And now they finally have their moment for a little bit, but everybody wants to celebrate. I love this scene, though. I yeah. love the song. I love the dancing. You know, we're going to talk about all that after. Um, but the animation is really nice, too. Right. Um, and then Prince John triples the taxes after he overhears the Sheriff of Nottingham and Hiss singing the song, The Phony King of England. Um, and it just sets him off. He triples the taxes and says, jail everybody who can't pay, which is basically everybody. And there's the splash of cold water. The entire cast of the film, other than Clucky, Maid Marian, Hiss, Prince John, and the Sheriff as well as Robin Hood and Little John, the rest of them are in jail. And there are a lot of background characters. I mean, there there's mice, there's raccoon. Basically, they have an entire background cast of woodland creatures, and you've got probably like 20 people in jail. 
more than that. I mean, there's 20 rabbits. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot as of Skippy rabbits. says, there's my mom a has a lot of kids. Um, <laughs> but that's a hard scene to watch because they're all chained up and she's spoon feeding her children. It's a tough scene. Yeah, the owl has a crutch. Otto's leg is still not better. It's it's really sad. This is the only point, though, where I take a little bit of an issue with the story because Maid Marian disappears. She's, I mean, I know, obviously, the whole point is that Robin Hood has to save the day and he's he's got to reunite with her, but they never really establish where she has gone. There was um, a storyline that got cut um, where Prince John realizes that, you know, they, they knew each other as kids and they still had feelings for each other. And he wrote a letter to Maid Marian as Robin Hood and vice versa saying, meet me at this place. You know, they picked a point and a time to meet and he was going to kidnap them at that point. He was going to kill them both. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that that's something from the, you know, that's the source material and that's probably where Disney took a little bit of liberty. Um, so I'm wondering if because they cut that, that's why we have no idea where Maid Marian is right now. But, um, I'm glad they cut it because on the 40th anniversary, uh, DVD release, they show how the scene plays out. And I think it just drags, you know, and like you said, up until this point, the movie is such a roller coaster and there's, there's the ups and there's the downs and it is so nicely paced. I feel like they made a really smart decision in cutting that out. I can live without knowing exactly where she is. I also think it makes sense that she is not in that jail because she is of the royal family. So technically speaking, she's not going to go to jail for not paying triple taxes. Yes, she could either she it. can afford them or she's exempt from it. I would l have loved, though, a throwaway line. Like maybe she's the one who went to get King Richard out of his hy hypnosis. Something. Sure. Yeah. And it could have been done very quickly. So we don't know where she is, but we do see Robin Hood dressed as a beggar again, finds out that they're going to hang Friar Tuck. He and, and little John go to intervene and they have this big elaborate breakout where little John sneaks past the sheriff of Nottingham because Robin Hood dresses as one of the vultures and sings him to sleep basically with a lullaby goes in, starts releasing uh, everybody who is jailed, and they have this great system where they tie a rope to a bow and arrow. They take one side from the jail, shoot it into Prince John's tower that Robin Hood has broken into, and Robin Hood shoots the arrow back. So now you have a rope and a pulley system, and from the tower into the jail, while nobody's watching at night in the dark... That's how they steal the money back, the tax money back that Prince John took. I love the elaborate system here. I like the scene with Hiss and how Robin Hood has to keep both Hiss and Prince John asleep while also stealing the money. I think it's funny. I think it's a little edge on your seat for as much as much edge on your seat as this film's going to have. Um, and when they finally do wake up and they get dragged, the bed gets, I think um, the bed gets hooked on somehow onto the rope and they get dragged out the window. It's just a very funny scene. They're this, trying to grab the money. That's and, what and it the is. And everything just sort of pulls because um, 
at this point, I think everybody who's still in the jail cell is yanking the other end. Right. So it's a lot more forceful. And at this point, little John has knocked out the sheriff of Nottingham and he's wearing his clothes. And that's how he's able to get everybody out of everything about the scene, I think, is really, really good. This is a lot more snatch and grab, bait and switch. The whole scene is great. The only thing that I take issue with, as clever as this police system rig is, it took too much time because Robin Hood took everything back. As well he should have because Prince John is, you know, he he tripled the taxes. So that is, by rights, all of the townspeople's money. Yeah. Um, But I feel like if he just would have done half, A, he would have gotten out of there faster, and B, Prince John probably wouldn't have even noticed. At least you would have had more time to escape because there is a throwaway line that Hiss says, oh, count your money, you'll feel better. So he counts his money every single day. Um, But then there is no end to the movie. So, you know, I get why Robin Hood was trying to steal back every last cent. Yeah, I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound at that point. I mean, yeah, if you bothered to break into the castle, why not get it all back? The other thing that bothers me, and this is a question of was it a budgetary constraint or not, is that I feel like Prince John's room should have been so much more elaborate. Like, he's up in a tower, and, you know, normally when I think tower, I think Rapunzel. Right. So in this case, it is supposed to establish his status, but it's literally his bed and Hiss's bed in the room. And... I feel like for somebody that's so obsessed with money, wouldn't you want it to be so much more elaborate? Unless, you know, you could make the argument, I guess, that it is supposed to drive the point home that literally all he cares about is the money because he's just happy to have that stacked in in bags on the side of the room. Yeah, it's not like he moved into King Richard's quarters or anything. Um, I, I think that's I think that's minutia, but I'll give it to you. Um. Because I think the point that you make with him only caring about the money supersedes anything else that he wants in his life. I don't think he cares about a big bedroom. I don't think he cares about elaborate decorations. I think he just wants the bag of cash. No, and I don't even think it's about power. I think it's it's like really more of like a Napoleonic complex because he wants to prove that even though his brother's the king that he was still able to flex his muscle and that he can still be be on an even keel with his brother. Right. That's the only kind of power I think that he wants. Robin Hood, yeah. Robin Hood falls behind because one of Skippy's many siblings um falls behind and he selflessly goes back for the child and hands him through the gates of the palace to little john so that they can chase him away and as i stated in the plot description he's chased the palace is set on fire he eventually escapes and they live happily ever after um i like the ending of this movie Um, I do, I mean, you know, you're going to get the happy ending. I like that, that King Richard has returned. It doesn't bother me that we don't know what snapped him out of his hypnosis. I know some people have an issue with that. I don't particularly care. Um, but I do like how they tie this up. And I also like that, um, Prince John is not killed in the tower fire. He doesn't fall off the tower 
that he just ends up in jail with Hiss and the Sheriff of Nottingham and that they continue to live their lives basically being comic relief. I think that's it. He's not an evil villain, so you don't need to see him fall from a tower. Right. You, you know, you, you can live with him getting his comeuppance. Yeah. Let's start talking about the music here. And I had mentioned earlier, it's very contemporary. You do get some music that sounds like 1973 folk music, and you get some electric guitar. The The soundtrack for this film is so vastly different from anything. Listen, I love the Sherman Brothers, but it's very clear they didn't write the music to this movie. It's so different from anything else that you have heard up to this point in time. If I had to compare it to something, it would probably be Toy Story. That's how progressive it is. Yeah. First song is Oodalali, which really just serves as a means of not only narrating the beginning of the story, but it's sort of a common theme throughout the entire movie. It's just a phrase that they say over and over again. I love how the phrase is carried. If, you know, if it can't be the song, I love that they have, every character says it at one point. Yeah. Written and performed by Roger Miller. We've all heard it a hundred times. Um... Again, it introduces you to Robin Hood and Little John. I said before, I think they're a great duo. I think that they're often a forgotten about duo. But I love this as a means of introducing them as well. Same. Um, I wish you heard more of this song now. Yes. But, or that Udalali became more prominent. Yeah. You know, I feel like like Baymax, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. That caught on. And, you know, I... I kind of hate that this is forgotten about yeah and you can make a case for why it was forgotten about but i mean we'll talk about that because this movie did not get a ton of positive reviews when it was released love is the next song on the soundtrack here and when i talk about the contemporary sound and i don't care that i'm repeating myself when i say that when i say the contemporary sound of the soundtrack this is the song that i think about specifically because it sounds like a song that was written and recorded by the carpenters it sounds like something that they were that they were recording to become a radio hit like it was a single it was also nominated for an oscar it is so vastly different the whole soundtrack is, but this song is so vastly different from any other ballad that you have heard up to this point in time, I think, in a Disney film. To me, this is the OG, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I mean, there's some obvious parallels. There's the fireflies. They're going by a waterfall. They knew each other as kids, and now they're reunited. Um, but... Just the overall feel of it, and and you get that they're really falling for each other again. I I almost feel like "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" was a ripoff from this scene. That's how good it is. I think there's an inspiration there. Clearly, I think that the song is a forgotten classic. I think the entire scene is often forgotten about for reasons unknown. Um, I think it's beautifully animated. I love aesthetically it's so pleasing it works beautifully hand in hand with the music i love how they focus on the eyes of both characters this is just an incredibly animated scene from top to bottom 
It definitely is. The only thing that I don't love about it, and maybe it's because Robin Hood doesn't have any single singing lines, it's implied that Maid Marian is singing it, but we don't ever see the words coming out of her mouth. And that bothers me when it's done in any film, not just this one. Yeah, I, as a kid, I always thought that this was kind of like a song that she was singing in her own mind. I mean, it is part of the soundtrack, but it's like if you're going for a musical number, then the character has to sing. Right. Otherwise, you need to show the source of where this music is coming from because it kind of does take you out of it in that regard. And because the rest of the animals are, or the woodland creatures, they're already in Sherwood Forest. So like all it would take is showing one of them like with a violin or something just to cue it up. And then Robin Hood and Maid Marian can go off and do their own thing. But otherwise, it's just very weird to have a disembodied voice singing when we don't know where the source of it is. Sure. Um... Phony King of England is the song that happens literally seconds after um, they stop singing uh, Love because they th- their little private moment is crashed in Sherwood Forest. It's an earworm. It's sung by Phil Harris. It's another great Phil Harris song here. Um, it's a ton of fun. Apparently, it draws comparisons to an old song that was called The Bastard King of England, I, uh, which I'm not familiar with, but maybe some of our listeners are. You can let us know how they parallel. You can send us an email, monorailradio at gmail.com, or reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monorail Radio. Let us know how close they are. I love this number. In fact, as a kid, this was my favorite song in the movie. I definitely think it's supposed to be your you know, full cast, your beer guest, your friend like me, the one that the kids are supposed to latch on to and enjoy and sing along with. Um, I love the way they set it up with the the puppet show. And it's kind of like what we talked about before with Robin Hood's disguise and the arrows is that, you know, you're just using what you have. So they really cleverly sort of like patchwork this King John and his puppet and they're you know friar tuck and um otto are in the trunk of the tree waving them around it's it's so clever and not nottingham is the next song it's while they're all in jail it's very much a country folk tune i think the lyrics are great the scene is heartbreaking and again this is another scene where the music plays perfectly hand in hand with what you're seeing on screen Really, there's not a lot of music in this film. I think the score is great. There's not a lot of songs, but they all work very well. In fact, I'd I'd go so far as to say they work as well in this movie as they do in any Disney movie that we've reviewed up to this point in time. Absolutely. Well, this is where Alan Adele being the narrator really serves his purpose, too, because... All right. I can overlook the fact that they let him take his guitar to jail, but being that he's there and oh look, we can see the source of the music, it does make sense why there's this song playing in jail, but it it really, I mean, it's so sad. This I think the song is sad on its own, but to to see the way that they animated and to show how everybody's just broken down because They couldn't pay their taxes. So, you know, they've obviously been struggling before it even got to this point. Um, And you just see it all come to a head. It's awful. I want to take a few minutes here to talk about the animation specifically. Because there's been a lot said about the animation in this film. 
there's been controversy about the animation in this film, um, which is not in regards to, when I say controversy, that's not in regards to the ton of recycled animation in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you told me one thing to look out for where the Jungle Book was recycled in certain scenes. Obviously, for Little John, they do recycle some of Baloo, but specifically in the Phony King of England dance sequence. And, you know, like we said before, you grew up on this film. I did not. Had you not told me that, I definitely would have seen the parallels to Jungle Book. But what's more is that I also picked out the Aristocats in there. And I I had no idea at that point that they were recycling. They recycled Jungle Book, Aristocats, and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I didn't pick up on Snow White or Aristocats. I picked up on the Jungle Book because if I, for, for the most part, when it came to Disney movies... These were your two. If I wasn't watching The Jungle Book, I was watching Robin Hood. So even as a kid, this stood out to me that Bare Necessities specifically was getting remade. I mean, you see it throughout the entire film, but it didn't ruin it for me as a kid. And it it doesn't ruin it for me now. There's a little bit of bare necessities, but anyone should be able to pick out I want to be like you when Baloo picks up the yes. the monkey and like throws him through his legs. Um, I mean, we talked about it before. The budget comes into play a lot here. Little John was actually supposed to be an elephant, which I think, again, is supposed to be the irony of of him being Little John, being a big animal. So I'm wondering if that was the first choice to switch him to Baloo because it's not just in these dance sequences. I mean, there's a lot of recycled Baloo animation and all they did was change the color right, from gray to brown. Um, and there's some recycled Ka animation too. Absolutely. Especially in the hypnosis. Yeah. I don't take that much issue with it because I don't think that it was Disney's intent to try and pull one over on us necessarily. I think that they were trying to do the best that they could with what they had to work with. Don't forget, this is post-Walt. So, you know, they have enough on their plate trying to complete a movie without him. I don't think that they were necessarily going to come out and say, oh, look, we recycled all these frames to save some money. But I think that they probably expected that those with a keen eye and, you know, People who are really big Disney files might catch on to it. Now, granted, this is also at a time where, okay, the parks are established. I don't think that they knew Disney was going to become what it was. So this was probably just something that they thought that they could get away with. And it's like, eh, if people catch on, it's not a big deal. I certainly don't think they were trying to dupe us on anything. And I'm probably also the wrong person to ask because... I have also used previously shot footage to make an entire show. So I might be a little bit biased in that regard. You know, you're not trying to insult your audience, but sometimes when you have a budget and a deadline, there's only so much you can do. So I do understand. And production fell behind. And remember, this is 1973. There is no such thing as home video. These movies are getting released every seven years. Nobody is going to remember any of this 
unless you're sitting there in the theater going, hmm, that kind of looks familiar, it's probably not going to click in your brain where you have seen it from. If you haven't seen the movie in seven years, no. The only thing that slightly bums me out about the recycled animation is that this is the last film that all nine of the old men worked on together. So I just wish that given a little bit more time, given a little bit more money, I would have loved to see what they had done with complete free reign over the phony king, king of England. Yeah. So I want to keep talking about the animation here. Because that, that is where the biggest controversy is when it comes to this film. And it has nothing to do, as I said previously, with animation being recycled. This movie, it, this is going to sound crazy. Okay? This is going to sound nuts. I I also just want to put it out there. I have no idea what he's about to say. Sean found some piece of controversial information and he would not tell me what it was before we clicked the microphones on. And I will also say that I have had a glass of whiskey because we're in quarantine. So you are responsible for whatever comes out of my mouth if this is that shocking. I edit the shows. So yes, it is on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know how I can say this with a straight face. We'll say um, it. I've been waiting all day. This film has been noted as being a movie where people have found themselves physically attracted to the leads. Goodbye. More so than most Disney films. Now, perhaps it's the whole... Fox animation, the way that they're drawn with the cheekbones, the eyes. I don't really get it, but supposedly this film, this film is known for its sex appeal. I Stop. don't, I'm not making Stop. this up. I'm Stop. not making this up. Stop. Okay. As one person wrote online, no pun intended, Robin Hood is a stone-cold fox. <laughs> oh, In my. fact, one person who I will not justify with recognition, because I think what they said is so overtly stupid that I don't actually want to give them credit, but I have to put this out there. There are people that wear tinfoil hats that think that the aliens are coming, and also that the reason why this film has poor reviews is because in 1973, a majority of film critics were men who are jealous of Robin Hood. Oh my God. And how physically attractive he is. I'm not making any of this up. This is a controversy that surrounds this film. There are, and, and, it, and it's not just him. It goes the other way. People that are attracted to Maid Marian. It goes the other way. But this is a, thi this is a real, I'm not making it, this is a real thing. These people need to go take a good hard long look in the mirror. It's, this is a real thing. But they're not even people. I know. I mean, 
Like when I was a kid, like, I'm not editing any of this. I mean, I didn't curse, so you're fine. Although I might, so just keep your hand by the button, because this is just absurd to me. Oh my god! I mean, there there are like you know like Buzzfeed lists of like ranking like the quote unquote hottest Disney man, and like usually Flynn Rider's at the top of the yeah, list. Flynn Rider. Me personally, I think Prince Adam, who the Beast transforms into which should have been played by Chris Hemsworth in the live action he's up there I think Aladdin's up there and my man Prince Eric since I was three years old but like they're drawn to look like people it makes sense and when you're a kid you don't know any better I I don't understand where this is even coming from like Jessica Rabbit I understand but she's a human being yeah this is not not to mention Take that away. Maid Marian is like covered from head to toe. Like culturally, Jasmine should be wearing what Maid Marian is wearing. Uh, but this is And a Jasmine's thing. showing a lot more. This is a real thing. Are you kidding? What? This is a real thing when it comes to this movie. I can't I cannot wrap my head around this right now. The <sighs> What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's real. <laughs> I just I I don't I don't get it. I I will say this. What I do understand and I said it before and we didn't really delve into it too much. They are one of my favorite couples for for two characters that have very little amount of screen time together because they are a part I would say for 90% of this movie. I think that they've got the most chemistry out of a lot of the Disney couples so if that's what people are like confusing in their mind for attraction I I think it's a stretch but I sort of understand that but to me and again that the whole love scene where it parallels um can you feel the love tonight you spoke about it when we did the review how there's that one shot where he pins Nala down and she gives the come hither look there's none of that going on here right so where are people getting this from um and this is all this is this is, this is also like pre-corona nonsense right this is this not people is... who have too much time on their hands no, to quote sticks this is not people with too much time <laughs> on their hands no this has been apparently well documented for years i went down a, rabbit, a foxhole? I, I, I would have rather gone down the foxhole. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole that while I am not currently in now, I cannot unsee the comments and the opinions of what people have about both of these characters. At times I felt I, I may have to call the authorities. I'm telling you, <laughs> There are people who are head over heels in love with both Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Now, is this in Fox Twitter? Form. Is is there a hashtag or is there an it's, article? It's Twitter. It's I just want to know it's so blogs. I don't ever find it. Then don't just don't Google it. Then all right, just don't Google. We it. will because Sean also does the show notes, so we will put a link on the show notes if you are interested. Because I, I, I want I to send our listeners to find I, this. I cannot do it in good conscience. Go ahead and Google right, it yourself, or Google it, or DM us, and we'll we'll send it to you. That way, we don't have to broadcast it out there. 
Sean's going to send it to you. I'm, I'm not getting involved. I'm sending nothing. Google is your friend in this case. That's a real thing. Okay, let's move on to give our final synopsis of this film. Oh, jeez. I, I can't even think after that. Well, I'll think. I thought we were going to talk about the live action. Well, that's kind of our news for the week. Slow your roll. If it's not for that, we have no news. Okay. Slow down. Um, so how, how do you, what do you say coming out of that? I say this movie holds up. I say the movie holds up. I think the the film, in spite of the fact that there is recycled animation, is beautifully animated. And I'm not talking about my attraction to the character. <laughs> I'm talking about um, I don't. There are not a lot of faults. There are not a lot of um, sometimes you see these movies and the colors fade and come back and they sort of flicker on screen. You don't get an awful lot of that. I think the backgrounds look great. The music's incredible. The movie is so well-paced. It was as a kid and remains today one of my one of my favorite Disney films. Live action, animation, musical. It doesn't matter. This one's at the top of my list. In fact, I wish I would have heard more music in this movie. What we heard was enough, but I could have done a lot more. I agree. Yeah, it it begs the question, like, what could they have done with a little bit more time, a little bit more money? Um, Yeah, this is one, regrettably, that I didn't grow up with. And I wish I had. And I think part of that, too, is because Robin Hood has been told a million times. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like we didn't need one more iteration of it as kids. But I wish this had been my iteration and the only one that I was familiar with because, man, that Robin Hood, he just does it for it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, seriously, I think this does a very good job of telling a story that's easy for kids to understand that is something that is, is based in real life. Um, you know, which is what Disney does at their best is they're, they're always trying to teach a lesson and they're always trying to, uh, help people to better themselves but you know this this is a real life situation with the taxes and I think it made it very easy and fun for kids to understand what was happening I definitely agree with you recycled frames aside I think the animation is on point I love the music definitely agree I wish that there was more of it um but I just think that they did they they just did a really great job of putting their spin on it and interpreting the story. And I love that they did it with all of your Disney classic snatch and grab. Yeah. And um, I really love what they did with Prince John. Um, I yes. think that's what made it the most fun for kids. I think a lot of that has to do with Frank Thomas and what he contributed to the character. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I think all of that holds up now. Um, I wish that, we did see it more represented in the parks. I know that they do have a Robin Hood, Little John, and Prince John characters that are really rare to find. Um, yeah, sometimes they pop up with that that rare character pop up in the afternoon under the flagpole. I'll meet you by the flagpole, Robin yeah. Hood. <laughs> or, um, or during races and stuff. But like, I would love to see them roaming around Frontierland. I think the music is sort of fitting for that. So I feel like you can... And, and maybe it's also because... Little John, you could kind of make the argument he looks like the country bears. Um, but I feel like just because of the setting of the forest, it would kind of work in Frontierland. 
I think, I think it would work better than Animal Kingdom, even though they are animals. I think you'd have to do it in England at Epcot Center. Um, oh. I mean, you can make the case because uh, for a for a film that. that takes place in England, there are an awful lot of um, actors that sound like they're from a, cust- a country western because at one point this movie was meant to be a country western That's version right. of Robin Hood. That's right. They cast these actors and then they changed it. Um, I think it would work fine in England. Um, I, too, wish that there was more representation in the parks. Um, but we're interested to know what you guys have to say. Have you met the characters at one of these rare meet and greets? What is your opinion of the film? You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. Email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. If you're physically attracted to the characters, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> News this week, as I teased before, not so much teased, so much as overtly said, uh, we're getting a live action remake. No. It's going straight to Disney Plus, and it no. promises to be a train wreck. No, no. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say it before, as much as I think this film is sort of forgotten about and underrepresented in the parks, do we need a live action remake? No. No. And unless, unless what you are going to do is your version of Robin Hood with real people, which believe it or not, this is how... Robin Hood started out and that's how they arrived to do it as animals. The original concept art for this film, it wasn't a live action film. It was supposed to look, it actually very much looks like Sleeping Beauty. Like the concept art looks like your classic Mary Blair. It looks like when Aurora meets Prince Philip in the forest and that's what they were going for with Robin Hood and Maid Marian. I bet they would have been 10 times more attractive had that happened. But, um, if you're going to do a live action remake, then do a live action remake. Take your interpre- interpretation of these characters and just do it with people. Do do your Robin Hood as a Western or do it, you know, as a period piece or do it as a musical. I don't care, but I don't want to see an animated fox who's supposed to look like a real fox then talk because the other issue in all seriousness is that when we reviewed the live action Lion King um, we had Lisa Donato of the Castle Run on the episode with us and she reviewed the whole film and one of the great points that she made was that the biggest loss as much as we all love Favreau and what he achieved technically was amazing and I I think if they gave it to somebody like him it would be amazing although he's wrapped up in Mandalorian so it's never going to happen but anyway um, in Lion King they lost the ability to emote and that's what the animation does is it it gives life to something that you can't necessarily animate right so if they do that here I don't understand why they would want to do this live action. Like, I don't I don't want to see like you're telling me a fox is going to run into a castle, pick up if we're going for realism, pick up a bag of coins and then run out. If I want to see a fox do that, I'll turn on that geo. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I it's one thing when they did Lady and the Tramp because there's people in it. There's people that makes the difference. The animals are supposed to be. Pets, they're supposed to be animals. Right. They're not supposed to wear clothes and be a uh, a hero. They're not robbing from the rich, this deal, uh, robbing from the rich to give to the poor. Uh, this, 
movie does not need to be remade. If you want to do it with live action actors, that's fine. I still think that in terms of live action, and some people are going to crucify me for this, um, I think the best live action Robin Hood movie that we have is Men in Tights. Men in Tights. Sure. Um, I think that's one of Mel Brooks's best films. And I'm not saying that you're going to compare that to this. I'm just saying that I don't think this story needs to be retold because I don't think Disney can tell it better than they already did. And I know that sometimes they're trying to put modern twists on things. They're trying to show what they can do technically. Okay, you did that with The Lion King. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't. You did it with... Um, Lady and the Tramp. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't. I like. I like that you've gone and done some of these, like Maleficent. I like that you did that movie and you gave a backstory on a villain. I wish they would do more films like that rather than doing just straight remakes of their classics. I get why they're doing it, and the jokes on us because we pay to go see them. Um, but this is not one that needs to be done. I do not want to see a CGI fox with a bow and arrow. Right. No, not everything needs to be remade. And I think that the biggest challenge that they're up against right now is how they're going to pull off The Little Mermaid because that has been announced. And like, I would rather see your focus there than try to pull something like this off. If, if you're going to insist on doing it, give it to Pixar because then we've seen what happens when animals are in clothing and they have jobs. That is Zootopia. So in a way, you've already kind of done that too. Like to me... If you're not going to do live action, either cast it with your core characters, like do it with Mickey Mouse as Robin Hood. I'd be totally down with that. Or just go back to your original idea. Do it as a Western. That's a twist on this that we've never seen before. Right. So do it live action and, you know, throw the music in there. I think that would be great. But some of them just don't need to be remade. This is one of them. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see Rescuers. I don't want to see Aristocats. Like some of it, and th that that's my other big issue with this is because they are personified, this is going to look like the debacle that is Cats the Musical. Yeah. Because I don't think that there's any other way to do it where you make them look like people and animals at the same time. The whole reason that they didn't do this as a, you know, not not a live action, but they didn't do it as people was because they thought that the animals would be the fun twist. And that's something that's like sacred about, about animation that you shouldn't mess with. Agreed. But we're interested in knowing what you have to say. Do you want to see this remade? Are you staunch against it like we are? Or are you on the opposite side of the table? Are you excited to see this movie remade? Does it need to be remade? You can let us know. Again, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. Email monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Jackie and I can't express to you how much we appreciate each and every one of you that comes on and dedicates an hour and a half of your time every week, give or take, to listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice as well as leaving us a review. You know we love to hear from you, and you can also leave us a review on our Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash radio. Keep an eye on that social media because next week 
is a Disney Plus roulette week. And you know that when we play Disney Plus roulette, we always land on something interesting. I'm not going to say fun because it's not always fun, but I will say interesting. And we will have our review of that film next week. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.